Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, July 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. EU leaders are closing in on a deal for a landmark coronavirus recovery package. The largest laboratory company in the U.S. has a warning when it comes to testing capacity. And European banks are bracing for hundreds of billions of euros of loan losses over the next few years. Plus, the FT's James Politi will explain what the rise in infection rates in the U.S. means for economic recovery. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Marathon talks on Europe's coronavirus recovery fund continued early into the Brussels morning. But EU leaders are closing in on a deal to help the members of the bloc hardest hit by the pandemic. As part of the deal comes a compromise laid out by European Council President Charles Michel for so-called frugal countries. Denmark, Austria, the Netherlands, and Sweden would receive increased rebates on their contributions to the bloc's budget. And it comes with another part of Mr. Michel's proposal, that 390 billion euros of the package will be distributed to virus-stricken countries as grants. The figure is less than the 500 billion euros originally proposed in May, but it's higher than earlier demands from the frugal nations. The rest of the package would be made up of loans. And alongside the recovery fund, leaders are expected to sign off on the EU's next budget. It'll go from 2021 to 2027 and is a little more than a trillion euros. Final details of the deal were being hammered out at the time of this recording. And last week, we talked about how U.S. banks set aside more than $50 billion in loan loss provisions in the first half of this year. Well, it looks like European banks are bracing for loan losses, too. In a new report, consultancy Oliver Wyman has set out a few scenarios for the lenders. In its base scenario, the group expects a slow economic recovery over the next three years, with most countries avoiding a second lockdown. And in this case, the consultancy estimates that bad debts would surge to 400 billion euros. It's about two and a half times the level in the prior three years. In a worst-case scenario, where there's a severe second wave of the virus, that figure doubles to 800 billion euros. European lenders start reporting their second quarter results this week. Some of the largest, such as Deutsche Bank, have already warned the level of provisions will increase from what they took in the first quarter. The largest laboratory company in the U.S. has warned that it will be impossible to ramp up coronavirus testing to keep up with demand over the next few months. The FT's coronavirus correspondent, David Crow, has more. Public health experts all agree that testing capacity in the United States has to expand massively. Already, we're experiencing very long delays in people getting their results back. And I spoke to James Davis, the executive vice president at Quest Diagnostics, who's in charge of COVID testing. And he said that he did not think it was possible to expand testing by a sufficient amount in time for what everybody expects to be a big crunch in the autumn and the winter. Now, that crunch is going to happen, people predict, because at that point, people will be suffering from the cold and flu. Everybody that develops sniffles is going to want to eliminate the possibility they have COVID. You know, millions more Americans are going to line up for these tests. 
And what about funding for tests, David? I know that's been a touchy subject with the Trump administration lately. So the White House is toying with the idea uh, of not providing extra funding for testing. It's worth saying, though, that Mr. Davis said that he did not think funding was the problem. He pointed out that Quest charges $100 per test and finds it very easy to make money at that rate and would add more testing capacity if it could tomorrow. He said that the crunch lies with the equipment makers who are struggling amid a surge in global demand to produce the testing machines. So no amount of funding is going to solve that problem. For a while, it looked like the U.S. economy was emerging from the worst effects of the coronavirus lockdown. After shedding more than 22 million jobs in March and April, employers quickly rehired 7.5 million people to work in May and June. Retail sales and manufacturing activity also bounced back. And during that time, coronavirus outbreaks were diminishing. These were all encouraging signs, and many hoped that the good news would continue. But in the weeks since, things have taken a turn for the worse in the U.S., and it's unclear how and when the U.S. recovery will gather pace again. The FT's James Politi has more. Well, so from the very beginning, leading policymakers like Jay Powell were saying the fate of the U.S. economy and the pandemic would be directly linked to the, the trajectory of the virus, i.e. once people felt confident enough that the virus was under control, not only would local officials start lifting restrictions on activity, but people would feel confident enough to go out and go to um, restaurants and start to engage in some of the normal activities that they did before, more socialized, more widely attend events. And in a way, that's uh, sort of how things unfolded starting in May. But of course, that whole process has now been jeopardized by the outbreaks that we've seen in the Sunbelt states like Florida and Texas and Arizona and California. And that has, you know, many policymakers worried, especially at the Fed. And they've been very vocal about warning that primary way that the U.S. economy can recover in a strong and sustained way and not suffer a new relapse or a new setback is by getting the virus under control. So you've even had Fed officials like the president of the Dallas Fed making a, a pretty unusual plea for everybody to wear masks, um, saying that adhering to the health protocols was in a way more powerful economically than anything you know, monetary or, uh, or fiscal policy could do. James, how does the economy look now? So the economy now is at sort of an inflection point because it has had uh, enjoyed this uh, bounce back from the depths of the downturn, but now things are flattening out. So you're not seeing the sort of V-shape, the more optimistic economists were hoping for, and I think that everyone would like to see, but instead you're seeing sort of a longer and more painful recovery take shape, hopefully not one that leads to a second dip or a double dip recession or something like that, because that would be even more concerning. And sort of looming on the horizon, you know, many of the provisions of the initial stimulus bill that was passed in March are now expiring. And so the U.S. is facing a sort of fiscal cliff 
um, and unless Congress and the White House can agree on new support, that could also inflict further damage on the U.S. recovery. Right. And, and to that point about fiscal stimulus, U.S. Congress is debating what form that should take and how much Americans should get. Um, what are Republicans and Democrats haggling over? The Democrats have already approved $3 trillion in new spending on everything from an extension of unemployment benefits to more direct payments to households to more funding for testing and tracing to aid to for state and local governments who are suffering from big budgetary shortfalls. And Republicans are much more cautious about the price tag. They're thinking more in the range of a trillion. They are talking about, uh, the White House at least, is talking about payroll tax cut. They are ultimately probably going to settle on some sort of compromise. Could be in the form of lower unemployment benefits than what we've seen so far, perhaps some new stimulus checks to households. The Republicans are pushing for liability shields uh, so businesses don't get sued. So it's, it's definitely a sort of moving target out there. So, James, there are a lot of factors at play. Uh, we just heard from David Crow, our coronavirus correspondent, who pointed out that the U.S. could be headed for a second wave come the autumn. Uh, how will that affect the shape of the recovery? I think people have described the recovery that we're looking at as a swoosh, like the Nike swoosh. So it went down and then it, you know, it's this slow return to normal. That could be it. Others have described it as more maybe potentially like a W. So it's hard to put a letter on it or shape to it. But certainly we're in a situation where the initial hopes of a rapid recovery, which the Fed, for instance, never really bought into very much, have been sort of dashed by the the new outbreaks. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.